So, maids, plenty to discuss on this Tuesday. Some people might mistake it for that, that Memorial Day Monday. No, but no, no. It, it is a Tuesday. It is very much Let's a Tuesday. Keep that in mind. We're following the latest with a new Minnesota program to help find our missing and how New York City is banning discrimination, doing their part. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelia Corte, plus the town that's apologizing after using white people in their Juneteenth video. <laughs> and a touching message from a mother to her daughter. They're the stories that impact our people. We're gonna bring you our news, our views, and our voice, so let's get into our top conversation today. The family of Jordan Neely is taking legal action against the military veteran who held him in a fatal chokehold. Carolyn Neely, that is Jordan's aunt and estate overseer, has officially filed a lawsuit seeking compensation for the personal injuries and wrongful death caused by Penny's actions. Penny claimed self-defense when he applied the fatal chokehold to Jordan during an alleged aggressive outburst on an NYC subway train. The medical examiner has classified Jordan's death as a homicide. And it's important to note, Courtney, that the attorney for uh, Carolyn, uh, uh, Jordan's aunt, mm -hmm. said, quotes, when you're trained in combat, it gives you options. But Daniel Penny, he chose to use a technique that's designed to cut off air. And he chose to continue to hold that chokehold until there is no life in Jordan Neely. We've just got to remind the soulmates, we've got to keep saying this, that he held Jordan Neely in a chokehold for 15, 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah, very reminiscent of George Floyd. You know, George Floyd was, was you know, almost nine minutes or a little over nine minutes, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I just find it very hard for anybody to say, I held somebody in a chokehold for 15 minutes, but I didn't intend to kill him. Not only that, you saw the life leaving him. You saw the you saw the eyes roll back. You saw him become uh, defenseless and non-responsive. While those other two folks who were involved and uh, Reverend Al Sharpton mentioned these other two folks involved in re with restraining him, uh, they should be looked at and, and possibly charged as well. Um, you know, no surprise in my opinion that the uh, family has gone forward with this civil lawsuit uh, as they continue their journey for justice. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and in a, a long journey it may be, sure. but I'm really glad that they are going after uh, the alleged uh, perpetrator. Uh, Main me, perpetrator. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm glad they're going after him uh, in multiple ways, right? And so obviously there's that manslaughter charge, you know, but the Neely family doesn't think that that manslaughter charge is, is enough, enough right. right? And so they're going after him with this wrongful death suit as well. Moving along, 17-year-old Ralph Yarrow, a student at Staley High School, joined the 36th annual Memorial Day run in support of the Brain Injury Association of Kansas and Greater Kansas City. Now, despite surviving a gunshot wound to the head, Ralph made an inspiring recovery and walked alongside participants, displaying his determination to help others impacted by brain injuries. The run fundraises for nearly 21,000 individuals affected annually in the Kansas City region. Ralph's courageous journey symbolizes the community's resilience in overcoming adversity. We yeah. love to see it. And his resilience as well. You know, he looks pretty 
well there, uh, you know, in much better uh, health and in the condition. But behind the scenes, you just never know what the struggles are, you know, in comparison to what uh, he was prior to this horrific uh, incident. So we we definitely want to continue to support and send our prayers and our thoughts to him and his family because that uh, I don't want to say struggle, but that fight, if you will, you know, continues. Um, he was a you know an, an awarded, uh, celebrated uh, musician, a, a bass clarinet uh, clarinet player, if I could you know remember collect uh, uh, correctly. Uh, you know, his family called him a musical genius, uh, and so you never know how this injury may have affected his play. So lots of a, a fallout, if you will, mm -hmm. that continues for this family even as uh, this headline kind of fades away, if you will. Yeah, you know, yeah. but it's also important to remind folks of the collective trauma that folks experience. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. Rob Yarrow obviously ha is on a long healing path and sure. so is his family, you know, but to see the community come together, you know, so often we report on stories here where the communities are divided, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, there are folks out there, forces out there that seek to sow division mm -hmm. in communities like uh, the one in Kansas City. And so to see them come together and unite around Yarl, uh, to unite around folks who have experienced traumatic brain injuries. That is an example of what's still possible in America. Yeah, indeed. All right, moving along here, the Congressional Black Caucus, better known as the CBC, is gearing up for a summer of action to educate and mobilize black voters ahead of the 2024 elections. Named Democracy for the People, the initiative will start in South Carolina and expand to 10 cities, including Charleston. The CBC aims to protect voting rights, preserve black history, and combat anti-black rhetoric. Working with various organizations, the campaign will provide voter education, registration, and community mobilization training. The kickoff event in Charleston marks the beginning of this impactful effort, culminating in Washington, D.C. for the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington. And speaking of Washington, D.C., Senator Dianne Feinstein reportedly experienced confusion when Vice President Harris presided over a Senate vote last year, revealing her struggles with memory. A recent report highlights the difficulties faced by the 89-year-old senator as she continues her work relying more on her staff due to previous health issues. Feinstein's memory issues have been a concern for over a year, with her recent return to work showing her reliance on support. Despite calls for resignation during her absence, momentum has slowed on the issue. I think you have to be very, very careful, you know. Um, you know, there are things that I can't, I can't remember just from the holiday weekend, and, and I don't mean to say that lightly, but, you know, this is very, very touchy, you know, to assume that maybe she's not capable, um, you know, to assume how valid or maybe invalid the claims, you know, you know, of memory or memory loss are. Uh, a lot of this is just coming out. So is it propelled by the folks who who want to see her out, who who want to see her uh, retire? You got to be really careful, especially now for our, you know, senior uh, generation who some have to maintain some type of work, uh, you know, to to earn a check because you know their past careers, you know, don't support them as well in in their in their golden years, if you will. So. Uh, 
you know, it brings up so much conversation mm -hmm. as far as elderly discrimination and who's fit to do what at what point. You know, the senators can stay as long as they wish, you know, much like uh, Supreme Court justices uh, as far as them being voted in. And um, this is this is tough. I just want people to be respectful and, and you know, delicate because you're moving into a lot of different uh, topics of controversy with this conversation. Yeah, and senators can serve as long as the people That's elect right. them to serve. That's and she right. was elected to serve a term. People knew that uh, that would mean that she would be serving in the Senate uh, in possibly her early 90s. That's right, when right? they voted her in. You know, and, and so if folks don't like it, then they should show up at the polls and make their voices heard. Mm -hmm. But I can just say personally, as somebody who grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area where uh, Dianne Feinstein is from and, and where she has just a storied history mm -hmm. as a leader, um, it is painful to watch you know, this incredible woman leader uh, you know, sort of reduced to punchlines, mm -hmm. you know, um, and and headlines like this in the news. Um, you know, she should be able to leave uh, the Senate uh, with her head held high with dignity. Um, and it bothers me that maybe the folks around her, um, you know, don't seem to be looking out for her very best interest. And you know? be very careful because if you are blessed to live as long as she has been living, your day may come too, where yeah. where things you know may decline. Your your everyday faculties you know may decline, so you could have your day too. So tread very lightly. Yeah, tread very lightly. I just I think I think it's important to leave when you're on top. Mm -hmm. You know, don't mm -hmm. don't leave when people are saying go go yeah. go. Right. Yeah. I mean, she has done so much for the people of California and for the country. You know, um, you. You know, she should have a better send-off than some of the headlines that we're seeing. But That's all I'm saying. It's definitely up to her. All right. Uh, LSU, the Lady Tigers basketball team, who recently won the NCAA Division I title, met with President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden at the White House recently. Uh, team cap Captain Angel Reese, the superstar, had previously clashed with the First Lady after she invited the opposing team, Iowa Hawkeyes, along with LSU. Reese declined the invitation, uh, calling it a joke. However, during the White House visit, Reese embraced the First Lady, uh, showing a warm resolution. Additionally, LSU player uh, Samaya Smith briefly uh, fainted. It was a scary mo moment at the meeting, but received prompt medical attention. And uh, the coach, Kim Mulkey, confirmed she was just fine. You actually saw her getting a little woozy. Her eyes were rolling back, and I think she even mouthed, I'm, I'm about to faint. So luckily, of course, all, all hands on deck, yeah. and she's just fine. Listen, if you're going to faint anywhere, faint at the, <laughs> White, at the House, White House, right? You're going to get all the, the best right. care you can get. But yeah. it's, it's really great to see, um, you know, that, uh, you know, she and the First Lady have sort of, you know, made up mm -hmm. and moved on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're, they're, they're celebrating the entire team, mm -hmm. um, you know, along with the president. You know, uh, it, it was it's good to see them turn the page on that mm -hmm. because it was turning into a thing. And listen, uh, Angel Reese is turning over the, the the Benjamins, honey. I think she, you know, it, it, she's moved on past the, that little bit of, uh, I don't even call it a controversy. She said how she felt, and a lot of people sided with her. You don't, the, 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 the losing team does not get invited to the White House. So let's, let's keep that real. But uh, she is definitely doing her thing and uh, will continue to do just that. Very proud of her and, yeah. and for all of her uh, teammates. Yeah. Great win. 
Well, something uh, that folks may not be so proud of, the president of Uganda has signed a new anti-homosexuality bill into law legalizing the death penalty in certain cases. The legislation underwent revisions after initially criminalizing folks for merely identifying as LGBTQ. The law now focuses on aggravated homosexuality, including cases involving HIV-positive individuals, minors, and vulnerable groups. Convictions for, quote, attempted aggravated homosexuality can result in up to 14 years of imprisonment. Uganda's LGBTQ community expresses concerns over increasing discrimination and violence, fearing for their personal liberty and wow. safety under the new law. So, you know, while we're fighting over what should be in Target stores or not, this fight over in Africa, it, it, it's all a fight and it's all a struggle, it's all a push, but it is beyond, I feel, what we are dealing with here in the United States as far as, uh, you know, gay rights. I'm gonna yield the floor to you because I know you might have a bit to say about. Well, I mean, I, I couldn't agree, agree with you more. This underscores why the fight for LGBTQ rights is the fight for human rights mm -hmm. and why it's a global movement. You know, what's happening in Target stores, to your point, here in the United States can happen also abroad. Mm -hmm. What's happening abroad where, where you have a government that is essentially uh, criminalizing folks for being LGBTQ discriminating against them because of their sexual orientation, their gender identity, if that can happen in Uganda, mm. that can happen in the United States, right? And so this is just another reminder of the high stakes. You know, when, when we get out there and, and vote for leaders that dehumanize members of our families, members of our communities, our neighbors, right? That doesn't just go away somewhere, you know? Um, and I would argue that it, that it also enables, you know, bad actors and, and leaders that don't mean well uh, of our family members and our neighbors. Mm -hmm. it, it, it enables them and empowers them to pass laws like this. And so, you know, I, I hope our brothers and sisters in Uganda know that we are thinking of them and I hope we recommit ourselves to doing our part here in the States and abroad uh, to address it. Well said. Let's stay in the motherland and go to Nigeria as Bola Tinubu became Nigeria's president on Monday, taking office during a period of significant challenges for that particular country. Thousands attended the swearing-in ceremony where he aims to deliver democratic dividends, address security uh, crisis, and unite a divided nation. However, his presidency faces skepticism and hurdles, including insecurity, a fiscal crisis, poverty, and public discontent. Tanubu's manifesto focuses on uh, creating jobs, boosting local production, and improving national security. This is a big deal, a very big deal, because, uh, you know, this isn't just the leader of some small little country out there. This is Nigeria. Uh, you know, uh, he succeeds uh, uh, the previous president, and he will lead the country that by 2050, y'all, is forecast to become the third most mm -hmm. populous mm -hmm. nation in the world, mm -hmm. tied with the United States after India and China, right? And so this isn't somebody that's just sort of inheriting this sort of small country. This is a, a big deal. And the fact that there are a lot of people out there in Nigeria, you know, that don't feel that he's like legitimately the president there, that he had a clean win, right? Yeah. Um, that is gonna make at least the early days of his administration mm -hmm. a bit more difficult in terms of having to 
be the uniter uh, in chief in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, and think about the influence that Nigerians have, not just there, but around, around the, world. the world. I think there's something like over three million Nigerians mm -hmm. here in the United States. Yeah, you gotta love Nollywood. I yeah. Mean, the, you know, they, they, I mean, the arts and entertainment uh, field. And yeah, that, that uh, country continues to be in the forefront of, you know, how Africa is seen. You've, you know, Nigeria country, bigger countries like that that are on the map, that are moving ahead despite what, you know, people stereotypically still might think of Africa mm -hmm. and its countries. Uh, some of them folks live better than us here, uh, soulmates here in the States. And it's really so interesting to tap into their success. You know, Nigeria's always been on the forefront uh, financially uh, speaking, just being familiar with what some of their strong suits are over in that country. And so it's no surprise that people are a little concerned that, you know, if this leadership is qualified to lead them into, you know, whatever next level they're, they're destined to, as far as those stats you mentioned. And, and, you know, there are some people that are watching this that might say, well, why should we care? You know, Nigeria's success is our success. Mm -hmm. Our success is Nigeria's success. They're a part of the black diaspora, mm -hmm. you know, and we want them to do well. We want their economy to do well. We want them uh, to be a secure nation, um, especially if they are on track to becoming one of the largest, yeah. most populous nations in the world. Mm -hmm. Moving along, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is looking to make a more fair New York for all. That's right. We'll tell you all about the newest bill signed into law that would prevent discrimination on various different levels. We've got all the details. So, Mace, when we return, you're watching Fox Souls. Black Report. We'll be right back. We welcome you back to Foxhole's Black Report. Minnesota has established the nation's first office of missing and murdered African-American women and girls. That's right. The office will investigate cold cases, reopen suspicious suicides or drug overdose cases, and support active cases. State Representative Ruth Richardson introduced the bill to address disparities as African-American women and girls face higher rates of domestic violence and murder. Community-led search efforts have become necessary due to law enforcement's lack of assistance. The new office aims to provide resources, reduce targeting, and offer hope for justice. And hope indeed, uh, Courtney. This mm -hmm. is uh, a, a model for the nation. Mm -hmm. You know, having an office that is focusing on black women and girls. You know, we have had the, uh, the uh, founder of uh, Black and Missing Foundation here on Foxhole's Black Report that, you know, has really underscored, you know, how black women and girls are treated differently when it comes to missing persons cases, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and that oftentimes they are uh, assumed, you know, to just be runaways mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, there being some malintent involved mm -hmm. with their disappearance. Yeah, and, you know, big ups to Minnesota. We've been, port we've been reporting quite often on some of the progress they're making, uh, especially as it concerns African Americans. They have, you know, now kind of been labeled, if you will, the, the, the cradle of the, the racial uprising, seeing as though the, 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 the case that started it all came out of uh, out of that state but just recently passing some other bills including you know making Juneteenth a holiday so you know I don't know if, if the George Floyd case sort of set them on a different trajectory but I think you know a lot of that is, is coming out now with one of some of the laws and the policies that they've been entertaining and actually passing yeah as and, of late and 
I remember, you know, shortly after George Floyd's murder, uh, shout out to Minnesota Minneapolis City Council President Andrea Jenkins, mm -hmm. you know, who stepped to the mic at a press conference and declared racism as a public health crisis, mm. right? And we, we, we saw after that, there were a number of local leaders in different parts of the country. And I think even Senator Warren um, in the Senate, you know, sort of latched onto that, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, if, if this is a part of the outcome of making that sort of declaration, you know, and shifting monies around to address these persistent challenges, you know, then, you know, shout out to all the folks in Minnesota leading the way. And I hope it catches like, wildfire across the country. Indeed. Well, speaking of uh, other places across the country, New York City Mayor Eric Adams has taken a step in the right direction, ensuring fairness in New York through the newest bill he signed into law. Friday, Mayor Adams signed the bill that would prevent employment, housing, and public accommodations from denying someone based on their height or weight. Yeah, the law has an exemption. However, for uh, when a person's weight or height would prevent them from performing a job's essential requirements, the mayor said the law is slated to take effect in 180 days or on November 22nd. Wow, this is a pretty bold move. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's a, it's a move in the right direction. I remember experiencing very early on in my life when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do mm -hmm. was, was, did I want to do be a nursery school teacher? Did I want to be a flight attendant? Did I want to go be a famous singer? But I remember actually applying to one of the more Shay Shay Fu Fu La La airlines overseas and them telling me, oh, no, no, no. Uh, it was too, too short and too uh, big, you know, for their standards. Oh, my. Um, and I really, at that time, I really didn't take offense. Maybe it's because, you know, I came up in a time where, you know, the, the, the look out for the big girl was not celebrated. It, yeah. it wasn't a thing just yet. And so I said, you know, so I just accepted it as is. And you fast forward. And I had a case back in the early 90s, mm -hmm. if you will. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see uh, policies and laws like this being signed uh, into effect and giving, giving everyone a fair chance. Yeah, I mean, and who knew that height and weight discrimination was such a thing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when we think about discrimination, I think oftentimes, and, and especially here on the Black Report, we report on, you know, racial discrimination, gender discri discrimination, you know, discrimination based upon sexual orientation or gender identity. Mm -hmm. I don't think we really, you know, report a lot on height and weight discrimination, but it is real. We know that hair discrimination is real. Mm -hmm. And might I add, not just the hair on the top of your head, but as I like to say, the hair on your face. Yeah. You know, um, well, they could get at the medical community with this type of uh, law because, you know, a lot of times as blacks, we walk into, you know, the doctor's office and, you know, because we're a particular build and height and weight, you know, you get labeled as, you know, obese or, you know, that for some reason you don't fit into what you what the norm says you should be and so therefore you know doctors write you up as potentially having this or potentially having yeah. that I've always been on the fluffy side mm -hmm. and my numbers stay pretty consistent and pretty healthy you know and just because those charts say that that I am obese obese does not necessarily mean that that's will determine my health and my level of health and it shouldn't so it, it should shouldn't be determine your employment opportunities that's insurance your coverage insurance that's coverage right, your that's housing right. 
thing, right? It shouldn't have to. It shouldn't have any effect on that. And I think that's what Mayor Adams intent, is in, intending to so do too. in New York. Yeah. And so let's see how well it works. Yeah. Speaking of health, a former trainer for Equinox Gym never has to step foot back in that gym or any gym for that matter. She could build her own after winning $11.3 million in a recent settlement. This all stems after Robin Europe, who is a sister you see here, filed a lawsuit around 2020 when she claimed she was put in a toxic work environment in addition to race and gender discrimination, Europe was first employed by the upscale gym back in 2018 and saw things change after she was tasked with overseeing 15 employees who often made vulgar remarks and objecting the bodies of black women. She will be awarded $10 million in punitive damages and a little over $1 million for compensatory uh, uh, compensatory rather damages and 16,000 for uh, that uh, back pay so she's getting all of it she's getting all of it and Equinox is mad about it and she says stay mad Equinox <laughs> uh, you know what was so interesting to me about this case Courtney is that Equinox they hit back saying that her termination was instead the result of her being late a total of 47 times during her 11-month tenure but you know data don't lie and data from those employee swipe-ins uh, proved that several other non-black managers had a track record of showing up late to work as well. And so uh, the sister said, you know, she was being punished by selective enforcement mm -hmm. of the attendance policy. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when I read that, I thought, okay, noted, right? <laughs> and so for all of our soulmates out there, you know, you should know that if your employer is selectively applying policy to you in a way that they are not applying it to your colleagues, you know, uh, that chances are, you know, there's something unfair afoot and you should look into that. Well, it happens more often than not. And, you know, each soulmate, unfortunately, you know, is, it feels like an isolated situation because, you know, everybody has, you know, is working in a different type of atmosphere, different type of energy with different type of management. And so sometimes you can really feel on your own as to how to speak up. You know, sometimes you've got soulmates who are a little intimidated. Uh, you've got coworkers who you, you, you can't trust, who you would hope you'd be able to trust and confide in, even management. Uh, I've even known, you know, some HR folks not even being trustworthy. I know a little bit of my business got out, and I know it could only have been via an HR person, and I never circled back around because I moved on from that company. But uh -huh. you best believe what goes around comes around. <laughs> I'm just saying that was years ago in D.C. Well, soulmates, listen up. There's a major recall of Texas Pete's Buffalo Wing Sauce. What? Check your cupboards, what? please. What? More than 50,000 bottles of the sauce were recalled. The Food and Drug Administration says that Texas Pete Buffalo Wing Sauce, extra mild wing sauce, <laughs> to be specific. Oh, well, we'll be may, okay. <laughs> may be in the, the, the buffalo sauce bottle, uh, extra mild. Uh, contains soy, which is not listed as an ingredient on the buffalo wing sauce bottle. People who are sensitive to or allergic to soy, they could have an allergic reaction if they eat the sauce. And so we know that no illness has been reported so far, That's but good. check your cupboards, yeah. right? Uh, and, and, and handle that. Do what you need to do, because yeah. we want everybody to, to stay safe. Ain't, ain't no reason why folks uh, should be having adverse reactions to hot sauce. And I, and I feel like even if you are more of a spicy person, just, you know, just for safe measure, just read that label as mm. well. They're saying it's the, it's the milder version. I used uh, Texas Pete. It just has a little different thing, but yeah. you know, my go-to is probably crystals, yeah. you know, over Frank's. And then 
uh, Obey has a hot sauce out that oh, is flavored really? like Obey. And if you're doing like some seafood, you might want to check for has that. Has it been out for a while? Yes, but it's hard to find because every time you put uh, it out there, people grab it up. But there are a variety, while Texas Pete gets it together, there are a variety of hot sauces yeah. that the soul makes can partake in. It just depends on your palate and what you like. Yeah, red you rooster know. sauce is also good if you had a red rooster. No, but that's a restaurant in out of is that the restaurant well, out you, of Harlem? No, no, no. no? Well, I, well, I think there is a restaurant yeah. in Harlem that's called Rooster something. Something like that. Right? You know, but red rooster sauce, you can find it definitely on the West Coast. And for the folks that are watching in LA, you know you can't go to Roscoe's without having oh, some red rooster sauce. I was gonna sauce. say it sounds highbrow, but it's it's pretty popular, pretty regular. Oh, very much so. Okay. Oh, you see, I ain't been out west in a while. I'm a, when I go back west, I only I'm, have a I'm home a, here in Detroit, so not see, not, there not you on go. both coasts. There you go, carrying <laughs> on in front of your little soul bay friend. There's more to come on Fox News Black Report, including a touching tribute to oh Tina Turner, as we still just remember her and live in this legacy, right? That's right. The queen of rock and roll will tell you who is making sure that her legacy lives on. That's You're watching right. Fox News Black Report. We'll be right back. Two homes, West. <laughs> well, welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. An organization in Greenville, South Carolina is apologizing after facing backlash for posting Juneteenth banners featuring white folks. A photo of the ad featuring the non-black individuals promoting a celebration of freedom was quickly shared on social media. Blacks, of course, uh, took no time in responding. Quote, ain't no way one person tweeted. Another wrote, What's it, what, <laughs> what in the Martha's Vineyard advertising is this? Others were far more serious in their responses. That's right. Juneteenth is a U.S. holiday commemorating the, the emancipation of enslaved African Americans. The anniversary is recognized annually on June 19th. And of course, you know, a lot of the folks in the in the Twitterverse and beyond, you know, had a lot of fun and light moments with it. But seriously speaking, this is just, um, is there there's just a lack of representation in the room or whoever, you know, is in charge of social media accounts to think that, you know, putting someone, you know, on that ad that doesn't represent what the, what the holiday is all about, that they would think that that would be okay. I think it's, it's, it's tone deaf, it's silly. Um, you know, the, the, the folks that were behind it um, issued a statement and they said, quotes, while concerns, confusion, and conversations were brought to the team's attention, we wanted to ensure action was taken before we responded. So like concerns, confusion, what confusion? Well, that's the I don't, I don't understand what is there to be confused by. If you just do a quick Google search, Juneteenth, I don't see why anybody would, you know, run a campaign that featured white folks on a holiday like Juneteenth. Makes but, no sense. But, but that's the energy when you talk about taking action. But that's the energy and the action that needs to be taken as you are developing or curating or creating these ads or whatever you're going to so, to, to to post. You know, it's kind of like an afterthought now. Oh, we messed up. Let's let's put let's put some time and some effort and some thought in it. Well, that that has to come prior to you, you know, putting this thing together. And and when you have people in the room 
who are, you know, reflect the holiday, then, then maybe this doesn't happen. And to your point, when you have folks that are immersed in the community, mm -hmm. these sorts of mistakes don't happen. Right. And this is, and this is a, a cautionary tale, because we know Juneteenth is right around the corner, mm -hmm. and we don't want anybody else to step in it, right? And so pay attention to this story. <laughs> don't let this happen to you, right? <laughs> if you ain't immersed in the black community, you have no business running a, a Juneteenth marketing campaign, you know, that does not feature black people. Just yeah. don't do it. Don't step in it. Yeah. And if you are the head, because I have a, a tendency, we, we don't, you know, get management positions or we fall short with getting those positions, make sure somebody on your team That's right. understands, is from the culture and understands what Juneteenth is all about. Let's move on here as millions continue to mourn the death of Tina Turner, who is widely regarded as the queen of rock and roll. Her hometown of Bronzeville, Tennessee, is sharing plans to keep her memory alive. Mayor Bill Rawls Jr. recently told TMZ he intends to have a statue in Turner's honor uh, placed in Brownsville Heritage Park. The outdoor area is near Carver High School, where the private dancer was enrolled during her time living in the city. Before her death, her hometown recognized her achievements with the Tina Turner Museum, which opened uh, back in 2014. So like a lot of artists, you know, where, you know, they come from the South and they migrated uh, up this way. So Tina Turner went from that area of Tennessee to uh, St. Louis. And so they're, they're, they're claiming, staking a lot of claim in yeah. her legacy as well. I think she finished high school there, and that's really where the career started with uh, Ike. That's great. It's, 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 it's going to be great to see all the different ways in which folks are going to pay tribute to Tina Turner, mm -hmm. the forever queen that's of right. rock and roll. I mm -hmm. mean, there will never, ever, ever be another. And, you know, her influence here in the United States and overseas, um, you know, it is endless. It's endless. And so it's great to see the place where it all started. Mm unafraid to lean in, you know, and make sure that no one ever forgets. That's right. We love to hear that. And speaking of never forgetting, Vice President Kamala Harris has become the first woman to deliver a commencement speech at West Point in New York. Today, about one quarter of the West Point student body are women. The Academy didn't admit women until 1976 and had his first graduating class that included women in 1980. Harris noted that the class of 2023 graduates graduates the same year as the 75th anniversary of the allowance of women into the U.S. military and its racial desegregation. I know we had a, a brief chat back when West Point announced that um uh, VP Harris would be their commencement speaker. We were kind of, you know, taken aback, like, whoa, what a, what a choice, especially with all of the, you know, the good implications that I mm -hmm. think that puts out there that, you know, that they're, you know, down for women now and, and they get it, and that, that there's some level of respect uh, for VP Harris, especially with all the controversy that she has, has faced for them to want to hear her message and, and, and hear her platform and, and hear her uh, encouragement and what she has to inspire uh, those uh, uh, cadets. And hopefully this is not an ending point, but a starting point, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's important to note in the over 200 year history of West Point, they have never had a woman speak at their commencement yeah. in 200 years. And so, you know, it's, it's to me, I'm looking forward to, okay, well, what do you do next? Mm -hmm. Now you've had the vice president, yeah. a historic first mm -hmm. in her own right, deliver this commencement who's address. Up next? You know, not just who's up next, but what are you going to do to recruit more women mm -hmm. to be a part of West Point? What are you going to do to have more women in positions of leadership leading West Point? You know, what, you know, what are you going to do to co-create a culture where women 
feel like they belong at West Point, right? And so I hope that this is this is a starting point um, and not just a check the box. Yeah, I think this is a, a, a checkpoint. I think there's been a starting point. I think this is a, a checkpoint, maybe a, a self-inventory kind of moment for them to continue in what you just spoke on. So we'll look forward to, to hearing hearing more from, from females coming out of West Point, in particular, uh, black cadets. That's right. Indeed, all right. U.S. Open champion and French Open finalist Sloane Stevens is saying racism abuse targeted towards her on social media has been a problem throughout her entire tennis career. The tennis star stated, quote, it has never stopped. If anything, it's only gotten worse. Stevens, who is black, told reporters her thoughts after winning the first round of the French Open against number 16 seed Carolina Poloskova on Monday. Stevens was asked how bad the abuse is, to which she replied, quote, I mean, obviously, when there is FBI investigations going on with what people are saying to you online, it is very serious. You know, it's just, it's, it's a sad state of affairs because, mm -hmm. you know, whether you are a politician or you are uh, an athlete or, you know, just someone in the public square, uh, you know, the, the anti-black rhetoric, you know, the anti, uh, you know, woman rhetoric uh, that we see time and time again, and if you're a black woman, you're feeling a double dose uh, of that, um, you know, it is, uh, it's scary. Mm -hmm. It's scary, and I think a lot about like my nieces, mm -hmm. you know, uh, particularly the younger ones, and what kind of world they're inheriting. And and you know, it it bothers me to no end, you know, that you know we're living in a time where at times it, it feels regressive. It, it, feel, it feels like we're we're taking more than just two steps back in a way that's not normal. You know, where you know my you know brilliant. Uh, talented, you know, nieces, you know, you know, will they, you know, be respected, you know, for that talent and that brilliance and their character, you know, or are they going to have to endure part of what Sloan is enduring on the court um, more days than not? Well, I think it stems from this, this arrogance uh, that somehow these sports, these, these type of sports don't have anything to do with black folks or black folks shouldn't be participating in more that they're traditionally, you know, white uh, sports, whether it be tennis, uh, hockey, um, lacrosse, uh, things mm -hmm. of that nature where, you know, blacks have, I say reemerged because all you have to do is a little Googling, especially with uh, the game of, 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 of um, uh, hockey mm -hmm. and let's not mention tennis. I mean, there's Arthur Ashe, there's Athea Gibson, and then there, there are a couple of generations before that generation. And, and, and here's the thing this this black talent is going to keep coming you know Venus Arena and then there's Naomi there's there's Coco uh, there's Sloan here and and the, and the young uh, black men who are who are on the come up one being uh, James Blake so they are here and they're here to stay and generationally speaking they've always been here but now I think there's a platform where you know they can compete and and really uh, you know win and succeed being you know a tennis player um, a black tennis player but a tennis player um, and I, you know, they're going to keep coming. So let's 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 have an understanding that, you know, we are we we participate in yeah. everything. Well, you clearly know? Sloane We're Stevens. We're talented at everything. Clearly Sloane Stevens is not deterred, and so to all the the young black girls out there that are watching her, you don't be deterred either. That's right. Still ahead, the WGA strike is now nearing its fourth week of protests. But they're uh, far from tired. Thanks to the support of one artist, find out the newest celebrity on their side. Next, you're watching Fox Soul's Black Report.
Welcome back, soulmates. All right. The excitement of Disney is so great. It can be felt under the sea. I know. I like that little song, right? Uh, I, I like what you did there with that. It's okay. The little, the little Mermaid reeled in over $170 million in domestic ticket sales over the four days. It's the fifth highest Memorial Day weekend opening of all time. However, the film is, of course, being met with a lot of criticism first is uh, Melissa McCarthy's character, Ursula. Many people don't know this, but the character was inspired by a drag queen. And now LGBTQ activists are saying the makeup artist for Ursula should have been from the community. Meanwhile, there's yet to be any negative comments about Hallie's performance, but more so are the themes that the film represents. Fans, fans online say that teaching young girls it's okay to give up what's important to you for a man mm. is a bad lesson to teach. Uh, you know, from day one, everybody's going to have their opinion. It's so sad that it was it was pretty pretty racially based. A lot of the first wave of criticism with you know Hallie being cast as the new uh, mermaid and you know domestically, first black. yeah, first black mermaid domestically, it did uh, you know quite well. Uh, internationally, they're saying you know maybe the numbers are a little slow, but that might you know pick up. But you know, racial discrimination just doesn't happen here in the states, so maybe you know folks. Uh, across the world, some folks have a, have a problem with it, which might explain. Uh, so it's not doing horrible, but maybe not as good as maybe they had thought. There's also something going on call, calling review bombing, where folks who are against the film mm -hmm. are tapping into uh, the way that the the film has been measured as far as the reviews, and some kind of way they're manipulating the numbers to whereas um, the results are turning out, you know, on on the side of the thumbs down versus yeah. uh, the thumbs up. But most reviews are positive. Uh, the, the movie's doing well. Full houses in theaters all weekend long. There was a little hiccup with some of the soulmates. I, I, I can't remember what city, but there was a little fight with the moms yeah. in the theater that yeah. went viral. That was a little unfortunate. But all in all, this is doing well, whether you're hating or not. Yeah, well, there was no fight in the theater that I was in. Um, Montre and I went along with our sister friend Yemi. We went to see uh, The Little Mermaid at The Grove in Los Angeles, mm. and it was, it was incredible. I mean, just to just sort of take a step back and watch this film that, you know, I remember watching when I was a little kid, mm -hmm. right? And to see how they sort of reimagined it, um, I was really impressed. I think Hallie is an incredible talent. Um, but I do feel what people were saying about that criticism, the whole idea that for a big chunk of the movie, she didn't have her voice. She had given up her voice because she was, you know, pursuing this love interest. You know, I thought, mm, okay, I mean, you know, that's, that's rather that's rather you know, deep dive, that, isn't that, it? Is that, that a deep that, dive? That, that seems it seems a little dated, you know. Mm. And so, you know, I wasn't too crazy about about that part, you know. But I thought it was reimagined very well. Congratulations to to Hallie because uh, this is going to be a big year for it's her. Huge. Not only, you know, is she a big star with Little Mermaid, but yeah. we're going to see her in the color purple yeah. on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, that's a long wait. Mm -hmm. Wow. But I'm sure it'll be well worth it. Sure. Moving along, a grand jury in Texas has indicted the man accused of killing Migos rapper Takeoff. Patrick Clark has been indicted on a murder charge. Police say Takeoff and Quavo were at a birthday party in Houston when a shooting happened outside a bowling alley in November. Investigators believe it was over a dice game. They say Takeoff was an innocent bystander. And, you know, just to add 
just just the heartbreak that it was just over a dice game, mm -hmm. you know, and this man's life and career, you know, is over and we just have to continue to, you know, live in his legacy. It's just so sad, cut short over the most asinine reasons when we're hearing about, you know, incidents uh, such as this, uh, card games, dice games, uh, you know, food, somebody took a piece of food. I, I mean, it's, it is just, it is just unbelievable to me to the point where this has become an epidemic and especially for black folks, young black folks, they are, it's like gun, gun violence is like a number one killer for yeah. young folks. The epidemic of gun violence. particular age. The epidemic of gun violence is real. Yeah. You know, and it's not right when law enforcement shoots first and asks questions later. Mm -hmm. And it's also not right when our own people, you know, shoot first and ask questions later. Um, and, you know, it is uh, greatly disturbing. Um, and it's not just the folks who lose their lives, it's their entire family, their entire community, community their you know, village. Uh, is, is, is char, char, is, is changed forever. Yeah. Uh, and so um, our hearts continue to go off, go out to Takeoff's family. Yeah. And I'm down, but I've always said this: we have to matter to ourselves That's before right. we can we can expect, uh, you know, to matter to others. That's right. Amen. All right. Moving on here, it seems as though the supporters of the writer strike continues to grow. The newest being Lil Wayne as the writers are going into their fourth week on strike. Rapper Lil Wayne is showing his support in a major way. He arranged for a fat burger truck to provide lunch to all those on the picket lines. Uh, now Wayne has uh, not committed to, uh, on the act of kindness, but several writers from the strike posted online thanks Lil Wayne for his support and generosity. And this is great. I mean, this is what you do. People wonder, like, well, what can you do? And we've had, um, you know, a Hollywood screenwriter on to to, uh, to talk about the mm -hmm. writer strike uh, recently. You know, and part of what we can do to support is to amplify the messages of writers, particularly our black writers. You know, uh, and if you, if you, if in addition to doing that, if you want to follow in Lil Wayne's footsteps, you know, you can go and deliver donuts, go and deliver food, go and and, and spend a few hours with them. You know, on on the picket line learning firsthand yeah. you know about what they are fighting for and what they're experiencing or tap into the writers guild go online and see if there's some kind of fun that you can con contribute to because that writer that we did have That's on right. said that this is you know they're not getting paychecks they are on strike because they believe how they believe because they deserve to to live decently in one of the most expensive states mm -hmm. to live in you see state farm just ripped away some insurance coverage for, right. for Californians it's very very expensive and these people just want to be able to eat, uh, send their kids to decent schools, mm -hmm. gas money, groceries. It's not like they're asking to become billionaires. Yeah. Um, so maybe tap into the Writers Guild uh, uh, community, the, the website, see if there's some kind of fun and actually give some funds uh, that would be distributed out to these writers to keep them afloat as they continue to press on with their, with their grievances. You actually make a really good point. I think a lot of folks think that all writers are Shonda Rhimes. Mm -hmm. You know, the all writers are Tyler Perry. They're mm -hmm. millionaire, billionaire status. Right. And that's just not the case for the majority of writers. Once upon a time, folks used to be able to live, uh, you know, in the middle class, firmly in the middle class, off of a full-time writer salary. Now that's not possible. We hear that a lot of writers have to, you know, uh, pull together, you know, uh, odd, odd jobs here and there, absolutely, you know, in order to make ends meet. And so all they're asking for is to participate more in the profits, which are in abundance, especially in the advent of streaming. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're going to continue to follow this. But you're right. Four weeks in. 
that's that's at least two paychecks that's right, that they least. haven't received. That's so right. let's that's continue right. to support our riders. Moving along, 11-year-old Blue Ivy <laughs> surprised thousands of fans joining her mom on stage for the song My Power from the album The Lion King, The Gift. In these fan-recorded clips, Blue briefly dances next to her mother before joining the rest of the backup singers. At one point, Beyonce told the crowd, give it up for Blue. And fans immediately broke into applause and cheers. Beyonce took to her Instagram afterwards to post a message to Blue Ivy reading, quotes, my beautiful firstborn. I'm so proud and thankful to be your mama. You bring me so much joy, my sweet angel. Oh, how sweet is that? Now listen, uh, soulmates from, from here and abroad, keep, keep the videos coming because, you know, unfortunately I wasn't able to tap into my 401k and, and, and catch Beyonce. And, there and by you the time go. I decided to, there everything was sold go. out. But somebody I know uh, has tickets. Oh, now my name is somebody. Somebody I know has tickets to her birthday concert coming up in the West Coast. But it was great to see. And what really disturbed me, look, you know, we're on social media as adults. And we at one another, you know, for whatever reason, you know, whether we're being just stupid and immature, you know, but leave the babies out of it. Yeah. You know, some of those negative comments about stiff and, and no rhythm. Well, you'll get up in front of 80,000 people and, and do your thing. First of all, it's not going to happen because Beyonce ain't your mama. Secondly, you know, like keep the babies out of the negative talk. I mean, really let this girl live. Let this girl enjoy being a part of this living legacy and just let the baby dance. That's right. Just, just let her it's dance. Ridiculous. And, and, and let's just enjoy the experience. I mean, one of the greatest entertainers of all time, at least one of the greatest living entertainers right now, mm -hmm. just shared the stage with her firstborn, mm -hmm. right? You know, mm -hmm. um, who is the daughter of another great entertainer mm -hmm. of all time, Jay-Z, right? So that was just a really special moment. And who knows what Blue Ivy is going to go on to do, whether she's going to, you know, have a life and career on the stage or, or off not, the stage right. or, or something completely different, you know, but I, I just thought it was so sweet uh, that uh, this early in the Renaissance tour that Beyonce shared the stage with her with her daughter yeah. Blue. Well, well, well for, the, for the latest stages of the Renaissance tour, will you go live and, and call me and go live? Sure. Because I didn't get a chance to sure. purchase tickets. You didn't up, get a up, chance? Up front. You didn't get a chance to? Up front. Up front. Front row. Up next is the best <laughs> part of the show, Black Excellence. That's right. And today we're talking about the rapper Future. That's right. Find out what he's doing for kids that has everyone talking. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. We'll be right back. Through his Free Wishes Foundation, rapper and activist Future launched a STEAM lab in Atlanta for underprivileged youth. Yeah, the Mask Off rapper announced a collaboration between his foundation and 2K Foundations to uh, inaugurate the I Am Dreamer lab located in a school near the rapper's hometown of Atlanta. Yeah, Future said it's important that all students receive access to STEAM education, regardless of their background. The Free Wishes Foundation has evolved into a versatile nonprofit organization that sponsors a wide range of programs, events, and services throughout Atlanta. Yep, Future and uh, the Free Wishes Foundation brought joy to Atlanta, hosting the I Am a Dreamer holiday pop-up event back in December. So they've, they've been doing this for a moment. They treated like 1,000 families to a shopping spree at Target. So this effort has been ongoing, and it's good to see that they uh, continue with it. And uh, big 
big ups to Future as yeah. he continues to, to right whatever wrongs there may be and really tap into his legacy, you know, yeah, and, and as an activist and, and to, rapper and entertainer. And to, and to give back to the community that has also given him so much, That's right? right? You know, um, this is how it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we are a call and response people, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, when you get, give, when you learn, teach, and so it's great to see future practicing yeah. those principles. And when you fall down and you've given the opportunity to get back up, you know, be of service, you know, pay it, pay it forward. That's right. And, and, and this kind of a foundation, this kind of effort, I think speaks to that. Do what you can from where you are with what you have. What else you got? <laughs> we over here preaching. Yeah, what I got. I got a, a way to keep up with us for the full rundown <laughs> on today's stories and, and more. You can access Fox Souls video on demand on any of our partners. You can even access past shows and other black-centered content. And don't forget to download the Fox Soul app. It is absolutely free. And before you, uh, before your weekend wrapped up, you took some time to go to West Palm no, no, Who no, were you? No, no, Palm, uh, Palm Spring? Springs. Palm oh. Springs. I don't know. You know, you crisscross this country. I'm just trying to, you know, keep up with you. From sea How's to that? shining sea. That's you. You know what? You you stay on a plane. <laughs> I, I was just here in little old Metro Detroit. You know, I my, we still have our parents home. They've gone on to be with the ancestors. And so I had to set up the patio yeah. and get the flowers together and the wind chimes and rinse it down and and put a little uh, gloss on the cement patio. The you know, the bricks and stuff. That's well, what we did. Well, I'm just saying you showed up to work today looking like spring. Thank you. Looking like spring. Hello. And I appreciate you with the touch of pink over there. Right, I had to support. I had to support you. Yeah, it's 88 degrees in Detroit, it and is. it's going to get up to 90 this week. And the uh, Grand Prix, the Detroit we'll, Grand Prix. Let's keep it that way. Cars around the I'm city. I'm Cordelai Cortez. And I'm Courtney Hicks. Until next time, y'all. Stay <laughs> lifted and happy spring. <laughs>